for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Praise God. If you've got your Bibles and you'd like to turn into them to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5. And we're continuing with our series on, on discipleship. And uh, this morning we are looking at repent and eject, uh, referring Kairos moments to God, which is page 30 in the booklets, if, you're, if you've got the booklet there. There are one or two available. I think they've nearly all gone, but I think there's about half a dozen still available out there if you would like to, to get one of those booklets. There is also an app available as well. If you go online, King's Arms and and check out their website. You can download an app. Actually, no, it's through Google, isn't it? Google Play. Um, uh, you can download an app which has all this on it as well. So you can have it there wherever you go. Um, you might not get that in your pocket, but you've got your phone there. So um, make, make use of both. Um, but the booklets are useful for writing in, making notes as we go along. So Ephesians and uh, chapter 5. And uh, verse 15, I'm just going to read this as an introduction into it this morning, because in many ways, what we're picking up on this morning can be drawn from a whole range of scripture. And um, so be careful then, verse 15, chapter 5, verse 15, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these days, or as in these evil days, or as the, the older versions have it, redeeming the time for the days are evil. And uh, you'll see why I'm, I, I'm going to refer to that a little bit later on. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. Don't act foolishly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. And instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we are doing a series uh, on discipleship, which is learning to live like Jesus. And uh, it's amazing that God has a plan for our lives. We're not just accidents that appeared at some point on earth simply going through life accidentally, ending up somewhere else, wherever it is, accidentally or nowhere else, we are here because there is a God who made us and a God who loves us, who has an amazing purpose for our lives. And uh, yeah, we've messed up big time. Uh, All of us are are in the same boat as far as that is concerned. We've all failed God, but God has sorted that one out as well in Jesus. And Jesus came... And we've been singing about that this morning in in the love of God. And he came here and he lived for us and he he died for us and he rose again, having dealt with all of that which was against us and was ruining our lives. So now we can be forgiven, now we can be cleansed, now we can uh, live new lives. uh, As Paul talks about living in newness of life in in the book of Romans. And uh, But if you're anything like me, sometimes it takes you a while to get it. And even when you get to my age, you're still getting it. And uh, because life is just one big learning curve all the way through. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, there's always more to learn. There's, that God is, is, is so much bigger than we are. There's always more to, to learn about God, to get to know God better. And we've been singing about some of those things and taking, you know, God, take us deeper. 
deeper into you, into your love, into your purposes. And I want to just sort of say that right up front. You know, wherever you are at the moment, at this moment in time, there is more. But it's how you get to the there is more that is the important thing. And, and how we help, help others get to the there is more. And this, this subject this morning is, is a big one. And uh, it's on page 30, as I say. Uh, and it's this business of referring what we call Kairos Moments to God, referring Kairos moments to God. Uh, now, you know, when we think of time, let's just think briefly about the nature of time, particularly in the use of Greek words. So the Greek uses two particular words regarding time. So you have chronos and you have kairos. Chronos and kairos. And chronos, we're all very much aware of. It's that is that movement of time from one minute to the next, from one hour to another, from one day to another, from one week to another, from one month to another, from one year to another. It is that movement of time, that general flow of time. When you look in the mirror, when I look in the mirror, I am aware of the flow of time, you know? Um, But we're, we're all conscious, aren't we, that time moves on. We cannot make time stand still. But there is another word that is used in the Greek, and it's called kairos. And this is a particular moment in time. This is that opportune moment, that moment that is important and can have a huge effect upon our lives. And uh, these moments are very often unplanned. They're very often unexpected. They they could be positive. They can be negative. uh, But they are moments that are significant. And we all have them. We all have them. Every one of us will have Kairos moments. Not only will we, will we be going through Kronos, the steady progress of time, but we will be having Kairos moments. And so we need to recognize uh, the moment that we're in, what is going on. That's the first thing that we're going to come to in just a minute. But let's just unpack this just a little bit more, thinking about uh, Kairos moments in our lives. You know, they, they can impact us for good or for bad. And the crucial thing is, what do we do with those negative ones? It's easy to deal with the good ones, isn't it? When you've, you've just passed an exam, when you've just got a new job, when you've just got married, when you've just got a new baby, when you've got a new house, all of those things, they're good. We know what to do with those. We celebrate them. We say, great, isn't this good? God has heard and God has answered prayer. But what about the negative moments that we get in our lives. Those negative moments that every one of us get, however positive we are, however extrovert you are, we all get negative moments in our lives. And you've only got to travel through the Bible to discover that there's a whole host of people in the Bible story that have these kind of moments, and that have powerful moments where they engage God in different ways. And and you can read over some of those, those, those lives where people suddenly encounter God and it's a transformational moment. You see, you may have looked at the negativity that comes into your life and you just thought, I wish it would go away. The answer is it's not. Because you're supposed to do something with it. And so this morning we're asking the question, what do we do with those negative transformational moments? So you you go through the Bible and you can find people like Jacob and Moses and Jonah and Isaiah and Jeremiah. I mean, Jeremiah, who could ever think that going down to the potter's house was going to be a Kairos moment? 
And yet it was. Um, You think of, of Mary, you think of Cleopas, you think of the story of the prodigal son, where he has a Kairos moment. And suddenly he comes to his senses and realizes he's going in the wrong direction. So it can be a good event, it can be a bad event, it can be a past event. And to, if you like to bring us right up to speed, I know that there's some already here who've already been to see the shack. Whatever you might think of it theologically, and that there's a lot of discussion and a lot of debate about it. How many of you read the book? Oh, there's a lot of us read the book. Yes. How many of you have already seen the film? Yeah, a few of us have seen the film. It's a powerful story. It's a powerful story based on, on reality. And in that story, Mac revisits a past event, which ends up as a powerful Kairos moment in which he discovers the love of God, encounters forgiveness and healing, and is able to go back and be a blessing to those he has shut out in his family, that is, his wife and his, his children, and particularly his daughter, who blames herself for this particular accident that has taken place, and this sudden loss of life. So, right there in that story, as I say, whatever you want to do with the theological things, and I know there's a lot of debate out there about all sorts of aspects about how God appears and so on, but the essence of the story is a powerful story and is a story of a Kairos moment where someone encounters God. So when we, we miss these, these moments, we miss uh, supreme interventions in our life from God that could lead to significant breakthroughs in our life. And one of the reasons why we don't have the breakthroughs is very often we run from the Kairos moment. We're afraid of the Kairos moment. We're afraid of, of entering it. We're afraid of his past event of entering that pain and experiencing that pain and not knowing what to do with it. And the reason that we, we don't move on is because we, we do not know how to approach God in Kairos moments. And you see this particular verse here that we've just read in Ephesians, Ephesians 5 verse 16, redeeming the time in the old version. That is redeeming the kairos moment. So that makes a whole lot of sense. So there are particular moments in your life that you can look at now and you can see them negatively. And you want to run from them and you want to avoid them. You want to find a route around them if you possibly can. It's like driving through the middle of a big town center with all the congestion. You're just looking for another route. Can I avoid it somehow? But you've got to go through. You've got to go through. And so Paul talks about redeeming the Kairos moment. There are moments in your life that are Kairos moments which you can redeem, which under, put it this way, with the enemy, you're going to lose. You're on a You're on a loser. And he will seek to rob you of those moments and he will seek to rob you of the potential that could be yours if you work them through. And so Paul talks about redeeming the time, buying it back, buying it back, buying back those kairos moments that God may be glorified, your life may be blessed and you may be a blessing. So this morning we're using the acronym REFER. So this is a good place to, to base these things, which is recognize, emotions, forgive, eject, and receive. And we're going to go through those 
one by one. But let's just take a little diversion to a book we don't very often go to. So, the Song of Songs, Song of Solomon, and chapter 5. Do you think there might be a Kairos moment in here? It's a wonderful love story, and one that we should read. But it has a a very interesting moment in it. And I want you to, to hear this particular moment. Chapter 5 and verse 2. So we have the lover and the loved. We have this young woman. And she says, I slept, but my heart was awake. When I heard my lover knocking and calling, open to me my treasure, my darling, my love, my perfect one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. And so there is the lover, the joy of our heart at the door. And he's wanting to come in. He's longing to see her, to be with her. But then in verse 3, but I responded, I've taken off my robe Should I get dressed again? I've washed my feet. Should I get them soiled? Oh, she loves him. But suddenly, in this particular moment, it's a nuisance. She's she's washed. She's refreshed. Does she really want to get up and unlock the door in this moment? I've taken off my robe. Should I get dressed again? I've washed my feet. Should I get them soiled? My lover tried to unlatch the door and my heart thrilled within me and suddenly she realizes I need to get up. I jumped up to open the door for my love and my hands dripped with perfume and my fingers dripped with lovely myrrh as I pulled back the bolt. I opened to my lover But he was gone, and my heart sank. I searched for him, but couldn't find him anywhere. I called to him, but there was no reply. That was a Kairos moment. It was a Kairos moment. But it became a missed opportunity. Because very often, Kairos moments can be a nuisance. They can be a nuisance. And very often, too, they can be a brief moment in time. They're there, and they're gone. So I just want you to understand, as we head into this, the importance of Kairos moments. They can be fleeting, they can be longer, but they are important in the purposes of God. So number one, You need to recognize what's going on in the moment you're in. We live fast, don't we? We live fast. I've got to get from A to B, and I've got to get there as quickly as I can. And when I get there, I've got stuff to do, and I don't want anything to hinder me. I need to get on. 
We live fast, and they're telling us to slow down. And if you live fast on the inside as well, you won't hear what God is saying and wanting to do. So we need to recognize what's going on. It's very popular at the moment to be mindful. Anybody heard of mindfulness? Put your hand up. Oh, yes. It's popular. Mindfulness, because the world has woken up to the reality that we certainly in the West live very fast. We live too fast. And because we live too fast, we're making a mess of our lives, we're making a mess of the lives around us, we're making a mess of all sorts of situations. And we're ending up in all sorts of trouble on the inside. Depression, anxiety, worry, fear, all sorts of things. We're living too fast. And we need to slow down in order to recognize Kara's moments. And we need to be mindful of the moment we're in. And you can find it in Scripture. It's all there. Be still and know that I am God. So whatever your situation that you find yourself in, you need to be still in that moment. You need to stop and recognize that God is still on his throne. Yeah? God is still on his throne. My world might be a mess, but God is still on his throne. He is the sovereign Lord. And not only that, despite the mess that you're in, he is our Emmanuel. He is God with us. God with you. God with me. Turn to the person next to you say, and say to them, God is with you. Turn to the person on the other side of you and say to them, God is mindful of your situation. So we need to, yeah, if there's nobody on the other side, shout across the... (laughs) So we need to be self-aware and God-aware. This is something that I've had to learn over more recent years. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at this by any means, because sometimes life gathers pace, and before you realize it, momentum is gathering, and you're losing perspective. But it is so important that we learn how to be mindful as Christians. Mindful of our circumstances, mindful that God is on his throne. Mindful of what is happening. And we need to be asking ourselves, what is happening here? You know, sometimes you can get up in the morning and um, you're full of joy. Sometimes you can get up in the morning and there's a cloud. You know, and it feels like, you know, as you go out in the day, it's a bit like going through a fog. Sometimes you can get up in the morning and it's a bit like there's a battle going on. You know, and, and you're not quite sure why. Sometimes... The reason you get up in the morning like you are is because of the way you went to bed the night before. Isn't that right? And we have to stop and we think, you know, what's going on? What's going on in my life at this moment in time? What are, what are the realities? What does my response to this situation, to this person, real, reveal about my beliefs? We've already heard it said this morning that what is in your heart is what you will say. Whatever is in your heart will determine 
what you say. And suddenly, where did that come from? Don't be afraid to ask the question. Where did that come from? And so we, we, we learn, need to learn to be mindful. What patterns of behavior does it reveal? What, what does it help to explain? What's going on here? Am I looking after myself? Am I maintaining my spiritual life? Is the enemy messing around somewhere? All of those things. Now someone said you can't solve the problem that you have with the same mind that created it. It requires a different strategy. So if it is your thinking that is the problem, you have to look at your thinking. And this is where Paul talks about the renewing of our minds. The danger is I'm mixing a whole lot of stuff here as, uh, as um, Andrew is finding out and pulling bits in from different parts of this, this message. But I'm trying to pull together so you get some idea of what's going on here. Now, in any given moment, of course, you have emotions. Anybody seen the film? What was it called? Inside Out. Inside Out. It's well worth watching. You know, it's good. It was, it was meant for children, but it's good for adults too, this one. Do you know, we all have emotions. Amen? Amen. Didn't seem to get much response there. I don't think I'm talking to androids this morning. <laughs> you know, what, which, is it Star Trek or the other one? Um, Star Trek, you know, android. The, 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 the pure being that has, is able to think without emotions confusing anything. Isn't that right? Supposedly. Okay, but God has made us with emotions. Turn to the person next to you and say to them, God made you with motion, emotions. Yeah. A lot of you are laughing right at this moment. That's a wonderful emotion, isn't it? The me- a merry heart does good like medicine, doesn't it? There's something, you know, about the ability to laugh. Data on Star Trek couldn't do that, could he? It was not within his realm. He was a cold, calculating individual with no emotions to mess with. You might say it makes life easier, but it also, it just takes something away from life. God made us with emotions. So in any Kairos moment, we want to be asking ourselves, what are the emotions that are going on here? Now, I'm a man. (laughs) That's the most obvious statement, isn't it? But, do you know, I was a man, and I didn't do emotions, because I'm a man, and I'm particularly a British man, you know, and uh, I I don't do that kind of inner gooey stuff, you know? I I remember reading a book years ago by a a Christian lady called Emotionally Free, and I kind of got a few pages into it and was going... You know, it was like, this makes me sick. Do you, do you know, and I would never have preached a sermon on emotions, because come on, let's just get on with life. Isn't it straightforward, men, you know? We just, we just think logically about life. We, we think calculatingly. We, we take into account the pros and the cons, and we weigh it all up, and we make the decision, and we say, this is what we're going to do. Isn't that right, men? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> not for everyone. <laughs> okay, not sure where this is going, but 
Glad we're enjoying some emotion at the moment. But as a man, I came to a place where God suddenly exposed to me the emotions of my own heart. And at that time, they were particularly painful emotions. You see, I, I kind of had that idea that, you, you know, when something goes wrong, you just pray on it, you use a Bible verse, put that plaster on it and get on with life and hope that it will heal. But it doesn't work like that. It doesn't. And this is where the, the story of the shack is so powerful. Because he has to enter the arena of his emotions in order to find healing. He has to enter that arena where he sees symbols and circumstances that will bring him pain. But it's only as he comes to realize that pain and begin to process it through that he can can begin to find a place of healing. So emotions are an important part. And it's dangerous not to recognize them and and express them. That's the other thing that, you know, we British are good at doing. We don't do emotions, do we? Oh, you know, we're the stiff upper lip and so on. Thank God we're getting looser, you know. But emotions are important and that we need to learn to be able to release them and to release them in the right way. You know, if you go to the book of Psalms, it's full of emotion. Every emotion under the sun is, is there in the book of Psalms and, uh, as a young Christian, at times when I didn't know how to pray, I'd find one that touched my emotions and said, this is where I am emotionally. And that would be my prayer to God. That would be my prayer to God. Sadly, I kind of lost sight of that and got into this, you know, don't need any of that stuff anymore. But we all have emotions. And emotions are an important part of life. And they tell us an awful lot about the situation in which we find ourselves. We need to find places to, to release them. It might be that we go for a walk. You go somewhere. I can remember a time when some, di- some difficult situations and a lot of my work at that time was just totally on my own and I can just remember kneeling in this garden and just crying, weeping. Weeping. I I just didn't know what the answer was to the circumstances in which I found myself. So emotions are important. And God wants us to have healthy emotions. So thirdly, we need to forgive. We need to forgive and repent. Forgiveness is so important. Again, um, very convenient of them to put the shack on at this moment in time, isn't it? (laughs) But there it becomes apparently obvious the need to forgive. The need to forgive. You know, we are all in the same boat. We've all sinned. We've all failed. We all fall short. We let people down. Things happen. People say things and sometimes they're misinterpreted. Sometimes people say things and they're meant. All sorts of things. We're people who are on the road to to greater healing. But we're still capable of hurting somebody. We're still capable of being hurt. And the only way that we can find ways through on this is through love and forgiveness. Jesus 
spoke in a parable about the man who had been forgiven and released of his debt and then went and held others against their debt. He had been forgiven much, but he was not prepared to forgive others. As a result of it, he ends up being handed over to the torture, as it says. And when we don't forgive, we are tortured. You can think by withholding forgiveness that it's doing something for the other person. Let's say this, you know, justice is in the hands of God. It's not ours. Justice is not ours to hand out. It is ours to love and forgive because we are in that same boat. And forgiveness is so important. You see, forgiveness will go deep into our hearts and cause there to be a root of bitterness. Unforgiveness goes deep into our hearts, causing that root of bitterness to develop, and that impacts on our minds. And it releases chemicals in our minds that cause this dark, evil tree to develop its branches and so on and its fruit. It's important, however small or however great, that we learn to forgive. It's something we all have to do. Smaller situations, greater situations. So we need to forgive and we need to have a change in our thinking. We need to turn around. We we need to forgive others. We, We need also, in one sense, to forgive ourselves, you know, because... When we don't, we're actually holding a position of self-righteousness, saying that we are much better than what we thought we were. That's reality. When we fail to confess it, we fail to forgive ourselves. Oh, I I, I thought I was better than this. Why did I do that? I don't know if you've ever had those cycles of thought going on in your head. I have. The reality is we find we've let ourselves down. So we need to forgive others, we need to forgive ourselves. And then we need to eject the lies. We need to to recognize them. Lies that go on in the circumstances that cause us to hold out in different situations and circumstances. Perhaps not to forgive or whatever it is that you find yourself in. And we need to come to a place where we We eject those things from us and say, I refuse to do that. I eject it in the name of Jesus. I break agreement with those lies. Those lies that say this and that and the other about me or the situation or the people or the circumstances. So we cut off ownership of that lie. We ask the Holy Spirit to come in, show us his truth. Speak it out. You know, there's something about voicing things. It's good to pray quietly, but there's something about voicing things, about taking authority. You know, and we already have a new identity. Amen? 
Yeah? And we are now living into that identity. We are being transformed. And to do so, we need to speak the truth. We need to, to, to declare it. We need to voice it. The enemy, when he comes along with a whispering campaign, we need to learn how to voice the truths that God declares over us. Those things that Graham was sharing last week, so important, so powerful, about the fact that we are loved, etc., that it is by grace, and so on and so forth. You know, death and life are in the power of the tongue. What we speak reveals our hearts. What we say has an impact on our lives. I know you can push it too far, but we do need to take it seriously. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What kind of tongue have you got at this moment in time? What kind of life is it giving forth? Is it death or is it life? What is it doing for you? You know, one of the things about freedom in Christ is learning to to declare those things. I am a new creation. Yeah, I am a son of God. You know, we, we declare those truths where the enemy in those kairos moments will want to come to us and say, who do you think you are? You miserable little Christian. And you thought you were a Christian, but you said that, you behaved like that, you did that. Who do you think you are? And what do you think God is thinking about you now? That's when you need to eject. That's when you need to declare. You eject the the lies that the enemy is telling you. I will not believe this lie. I renounce it. I denounce it in the name of Jesus. Be gone. And we replace it with the truth of God's word. That's every reason to get to know the word of God. So you've got something to, to replace the lies of the enemy with. And you can say, no, I know that he has I know that salvation, I am saved by his grace alone, not by any work that I could do, not by any failure on my part. He has done it all. Hallelujah. Get off my back, Satan. You know? You've heard me, I think I've told the story before about Martin Luther. We celebrate the, the story of the Reformation this year, but... Martin Luther, he, although he uncovered the truth or the truth was revealed to him in that dark era of the church about justification by faith. It's by faith alone and faith in Jesus alone, by grace alone. And he, and he saw that and the, the power and the liberation it had on his life and it had on the whole of Europe at that time was massive. You need to go and read the story or watch a film about it because it was massive. Europe was dark spiritually. And suddenly the light came to him and he found freedom. But it didn't mean the enemy was off his back. The enemy chased him hither and thither, this way and that that way and the other. And he came to him one day and he got this whole list of sins. And he, he shared them with Martin Luther. And Martin Luther acknowledged the truth. He said, yeah, I have committed those sins. I have done them. But he said this, there is a greater truth than what you've got there. And that is this truth that is found in this book. And it is this, that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Be gone. With that, he picked up the ink pot, as the story goes, and threw it at the devil and said, take that. (laughs) That's what you call militant Christianity. And we do need a bit of militancy when it comes to Kairos moments. It will make all the difference. 
So we need to speak out. We need to fight. We need to eject, push out those things. And then lastly, we need to receive or replace. Need to receive or replace. And so Paul talks about, doesn't he? He talks about putting off the old man. So we we recognize, okay, that was an activity of my former way of life. But I am now in Jesus. So I'm I'm not going to fall for the devil's lie here. I am in in Jesus, and I'm putting on the new man. I'm putting on the new man. And so when it comes to these things, we can can go through them in different ways, and we think, what do we replace them with? So what do you replace fear with? Faith. What do you replace timidity with? With courage. What do you replace lust with but pure love? What do you replace grasping with but giving? What do you replace isolation with but engagement with others? And so you could go on and on. And so when we expel, we also need to receive. It's important that we receive the Holy Spirit. In those moments, we just open our hearts to, to the Holy Spirit and we just say, just fill me in here. I know I've blown it. This was a negative moment. But you can turn it into a positive. That's one way to get the devil on the run. Once you start showing him how moments can be turned. Negative moments can become kairos moments of opportunity with God transitional moments in our personal lives, in our, in our relationships, in discovering the purpose of God. Someone said this, he said, opportunity knocks at the strangest of times, but it's not the time that matters, it's how you answer the door. So that again, opportunity and Kairos moments are moments of opportunity. Opportunity knocks at the strangest of times. But it is not, that t- not the time that matters, but how you answer the door. How will you answer the door in your present Kairos moment? How will you either respond to God or respond to the situation in which you find yourself? You could go out from here this morning and go into this week and suddenly find yourself slap bang in a Kairos moment. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? You see, Kairos moments can be the biggest opportunity for our growth than we realized. Negative Kairos moments can be the biggest opportunity for our growth than we realized. So, there we are. Let's stand up, shall we? I'm going to say these three, four, four, four points, five points, four points, five points. <laughs> and... Uh, I'd like like us just to declare them together, just to speak them out together. 
So I'll say it, and you'll, if you'll then say it after me, all together. I need to recognize the moment I'm in. I need to realize my emotions. I need to forgive and repent. I need to reject the lies. I need to receive and replace. So let, let's just, as we come to a close this morning, Maybe there's something right now in your life, a Kairos moment, situation, circumstance. You have a moment now to be mindful of God's presence, that he is there with you in this situation. You have an opportunity to recognize your emotions. To realize the depth of them. And not to be afraid of them. You have an opportunity to forgive where forgiveness is required. You have an opportunity to eject the lies. And you have an opportunity right now to receive from God and replace. Just open your hands to God. Just to be in his presence. Holy Spirit, I just pray that where there are buried Kairos moments in people's lives that need to be faced, you would bring them to the surface. That they might become a powerful Kairos moment in this moment in time and become an opportunity for transformation, for healing, for hope. Where those, and you might have something in your life that you just keep burying, burying. You try, keep trying to shovel more dirt on it. You keep trying to walk all over it, step, step on it, try and keep it down. The Lord wants you to just bring that to the surface and recognize it and find a place of healing. He's not against you in it. He's for you. He's with you. And then maybe there are are people you've... for all sorts of reasons, rightly or wrongly, have said or done things that have impacted your life negatively. And you need to release forgiveness to them this morning. To do it now in the spirit and to do it when you see them. To release forgiveness. And as we're in his presence, God will just make known to you those names. Again, you keep trying to rub them out. Perhaps you try to avoid them. But God wants you to forgive them. And he'll help you do that.
And then there's wrong patterns of thinking that you need to eject. Things you've been saying about yourself, or your circumstances, or your future. And you need to recognize those wrong patterns and eject them now in the name of Jesus. Take authority over them. You have the right to do so. You can expel them in the name of Jesus. Take authority over those thoughts, those ideas that rob us of the knowledge of God and our potential in him. We reject them in Jesus' name. We do. We need to receive the Holy Spirit. Just need to welcome his presence. Receive the powerful words that God speaks over our lives, into our life. Words of love and affirmation. Words of purpose and hope. So, Spirit of God, we, time has, <laughs> time, Kronos has run out on us this morning. But in this Kairos moment, we give it to you, we give ourselves to you and pray that we may know greater transformation in the name of Jesus. Amen. If anyone would like prayer this morning, realize time has gone. But if anyone would like prayer, please.